This is the Better Reading Podcast platform with stories behind the story, Jane's Be Better Podcast, my book chat with Caroline Overington and more. Looking for a particular podcast? Remember, you can always skip to it. Welcome to our monthly book chat. I'm Cheryl Arkell. And I'm Caroline Overington. And I love nothing more than having a chat about books. And so does Cheryl. So we thought we would share that conversation with you. Once a month, we'll discuss book and industry news, authors, and the books you should be reading. And maybe just a little bit of gossip. Caroline Overington, welcome to Book Chat. What, what Hello. is what is the news? What is the news this week? What is it? Well, I was tremendously excited this week, Cheryl, to attend the virtual launch of the Albanese government's national cultural policy. It was so inspiring, but also the thing that jumped out at me as a literary person was that we are going to get a poet laureate. Now, all the serious countries in the world, the United States, the UK, Canada, they all have a Well, we get our own Amanda Gorman. Well, it's not quite, not, not quite. This is the thing about a poet laureate. The first thing people want to know is what do they do? Well, a poet laureate is a poet, of course, an eminent person, a distinguished person, but it's somebody who can think about the country we live in and talk in a way that brings us all together on the important issues, who might be inspired by something like the bushfires or the floods, who might speak at important uh, state occasions like the opening of an Olympic Games or a Commonwealth Games. A poet laureate says something about the kind of country you want to be. And in Australia, we have such an amazing tradition of poetry. So everybody will know I love a sunburnt country. And we also have those amazing opening lines. Do you remember these? There was movement at the station. Mm-hmm. I mean, in my view, that is up there with Hark, who goes there? I mean, mm-hmm. it sets the scene so beautifully. And we have such such scenery to set in this country. So to not have a poet laureate, to have the first one in 200 years is amazing. The next question is, where should they be? And the answer, at least as far as I know from talking to people in the industry, is they should have an office, a full-time office at a sandstone university, at a distinguished university. They should have a salary for three years so that they don't feel rushed, they're not pressured. They should have superannuation so they're treated like an employee of the state. They should have all of the integrity and dignity that goes with a proper role. Some people have said to me a salary of somewhere between 30 and $100,000 a year. And I know it's everyone's money, but I think $100,000 a year is about right because I want them to be able to do the job properly. Well, 30 next, is ridiculous. I mean, that's well, you just, you, you, that's you, not, they, is they that a living be, salary? That's not a living salary. Yeah. Well, plenty of, plenty of people do live on less, of course, but if we do want this the Poet Laureate to be a distinguished position, then let's pay it properly. Mm. The next question, of course, is, who should it be? And the t- and people are just wild with ideas. But the thing that's really struck me in conversations with the community, the literary community this week is symbolically it feels right that the first poet laureate should be a First Nations person mm-hmm. because First Nations people, Indigenous Australians, have been singing the song of this land. Absolutely. For 65,000 years, theirs is an oral tradition. Yeah. It was not a written tradition. And so the, the the telling of stories in a lyrical way is very important to the to the culture. 
So if we if we can agree on that, then who could it be? Well, First Nations poets are absolutely on fire right now. Mm-hmm. They You've are. Got people like got Ali uh, Cobby Eckerman, for example, who has an amazing story, was adopted into a white family, into a Lutheran family, and then her own child was adopted out when she became pregnant as a teenager as well. She found her way back to country and she's been writing about the stolen generations, which is, again, an important fault line that runs through our history, adoption and and stolen generations and finding your place in this country is important for migrant groups as well. It's not just important for First Nations people. To find your place, your feet in this country is, a, is an important part of being an Australian. Then there's also, oh, there's, oh, look, let's talk about um, Yvette Henry Holt, for example. Now, she's just an amazing Indigenous woman who actually has been singing this up from the dust for a long time. She's been agitating for a poet laureate for a long time. I spoke to her this week and she said to me, I don't think it's in my storyline, Caroline. Isn't that a beautiful way oh, of saying it? Oh, wow. Yeah. She said, I don't think it's in my storyline and that's okay yeah. because there are others like Charmaine Paper Talk Green is also an amazing poet. Yeah. Lionel Fogarty is an amazing poet. So, But then, of course, you've also got Sarah Holland Bad, who's astonishing work on aged care after the death of her father in an aged care hospital and Caitlin Mayling in WA who's done done incredible work on clownfish and the Great Barrier Reef and conservation. We are not short of candidates for the no, Poet Laureate. No, no, And I, I really do agree. I feel that the, that very often, um, even in short stories, when when um, uh, First Nations people put pen to paper, you feel a rhythm even in prose, don't you? You feel isn't it, that you in, hear Isn't that it. interesting? Yes. Because people always used to say that about Indigenous sportsmen, that yeah. they seem to have a particular way of moving or particular instincts for the sporting field. And I, I was never sure. I don't know enough about sport, about football to know. But I think what you're saying is definitely true with storytelling. Mm-hmm. They have such an ancient tradition of storytelling. It has a rhythmic movement to it that is mm-hmm. quite beautiful. Melissa Lukachenko. Well, Tony Birch, I was thinking of, who did a series of short stories last year called um, Darkest Last Night. I was absolutely blown away, like Mm. completely blown away. And very difficult topics sometimes like violence and dispossession and and Mm. hardship and poverty and class, all of those things we don't necessarily want to talk about. But, I mean, is there any reason to think that Indigenous poetry could not also be uplifting and unifying? Of course not. Of course that can be the Mm. role of the Poet Laureate as well. Well, that's so exciting. Yeah, yeah. It's so exciting that we've got a government too that actually recognises recognises the arts, that recognises, you know, artists, writers. I mean, it's it's been a long time since there's been any attention on the arts in Australia. It has to, I think we have to get to a point, Cheryl, where it's beyond politics. Because yeah. if we had, if we had, for example, Absolutely. A, a poet laureate for the Labor government, I mean, let's make us the laughing stock of the world. That's you know, right. You have to, you, we have to embed these positions in a way that they survive changes of government, <laughs> survive budget cuts, survive tough times and and good times mm. you know we need we need to put in place structures that are enduring over time mm. and and remove the politics i was a little disappointed with some of the tone of the coverage of the national arts policy it was like oh you know the other side are barbarians they're philistines you know we are the only party that cares about i mean you can't survive if you do that mm. let's make it for everyone let's make mm. it forever 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 yeah not but i do not, not think I agree with you totally, but I do think we've come from, you know, um, nine, ten years of absolute, you know, cutbacks, cutbacks, cutbacks. I mean, you know, there was even no uh, no uh, 
what was it? Um, there was even, sorry, cut that a bit out. There was even no relief <laughs> during COVID for some of the artists out there, for musicians, for actors, for all sorts of people. But anyway, speaking of um, uh, recognising writers, the Vogel Prize. Oh, my goodness, I'm excited about this. Yeah, so, I know you do, are. Okay, so do you want a book deal? Yeah. Do you want a book deal? Like yeah. that, is the, that is the dream of so many young Australian writers to get a book deal and that is our new slogan this year. Do you want a book deal? Because when the Vogel Prize started more than 40 years ago, the Vogel Australian Literary Prize is its official title, it was one of very few prizes. There weren't many prizes around. Mm. There was the Miles Franklin and that was about it, right? Now there's all these different prizes. There's the staff and all the publishers have got one, the Penguins got one, the Banjo, the Richelle, all that stuff, right? But ours, you get a book deal. So mm. if you're out there and you're a young person and maybe you're working on your Netflix treatment, maybe you're doing something for the streamers, maybe you're writing a podcast, whatever, think about this. If you write a book and you win the Vogel, it can launch you into an amazing career. You know, Mandy Sayer won the Vogel mm. Prize. Tim Winton won the Vogel Prize. Kate, Kate Grenville won it. And do you know who else did? Do you remember Andrew McGahn who wrote yes, Praise? of course I do. I so love that Praise. Book. So Praise won the Nobel Prize, uh, sorry, the Vogel Prize, and it became an amazing movie starring Sasha Haller, one of my favourite films of all yeah. time. I remember and, reading it in manuscript on a tram in Melbourne. Wow, and wasn't it astonishing? Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. So and abrasive, so raw and so... Yeah, and, diff- and a different yeah. idea what you could yeah. do with literature. And you know who else won it? Gillian Mears won it as well. Oh, and, of she course, she, she went on to do amazing things. And Kate Grenville won it. And she wrote it, She won it for a book called, I think, Lillian's Story. Mm-hmm. And it went on to become a film. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, she wrote The Secret River, which became mm-hmm. a stage play. So I do understand that young people are like, oh, I don't know if I want to write a book because I want to do, you know, all these amazing things but you know what Trent Dalton wrote a book that became a Netflix series you can do both so Mm -hmm. the Vogel Prize is open now this week we opened Uh, it this week you've got to get your entry in how 31st of of May go to Alan and Unwin's website they are the ones that publish it and you've got to get it in by the 31st of May no exceptions okay that's alanandunwin.com now listen I want to say one thing about prizes as well do you know with um our stories behind the story podcast um we've interviewed or I've interviewed now I mean you're not going to believe this but I think I'm nearly up to 500 authors right over the Ah. years that I've spoken to and interestingly there are so many common threads through each conversation but one of them and this is a very common thread that the advice that writers give other writers is enterprises, enterprises. Okay. Keep, yes. A lot of the paths to publication are through prizes and that is a really Wait. big tip. Yeah, so enter the you know vocal. That, you know that, so that's kind of interesting to me because I do think sometimes people think we have too many prizes, almost like every week there's another prize. But you have to remember, I think as well, Amanda Lowry, who won the Booker Prize, yeah. um, no, sorry, the Miles Franklin two years ago, I said to her, what does it mean to win a prize? And she said, it means I can work. It mm. means I can work. It's $60,000 in the bank and it means I can Absolutely. write another book. But it, you know, even so it, if it's, it's not 10, just prestigious. Yeah, yeah, it's it, not just yeah. prestigious. It's a little bit of money in your pocket and it means that you like Jennifer Down who won the um, it's recognition last year. She can't yeah. afford to work as a writer. You know, she's got to have another full-time job yeah. as a copywriter. So prize money is great, but, gee, it's fantastic to get a book. And you know that feeling when you, you open the box and you remove the packaging mm. and there's your book with your name on the cover mm. and you can take a little mm. selfie and 
walk past Dimmicks in Sydney and see the stand and people will review it in the newspapers. It's a great thing to do. Absolutely. And you, yeah, yeah. And you get five, you got to enter. Got to enter. Now, speaking of um, uh, books, uh, more books and exciting news books, Hannah Ritchell, did you hear the... Uh, Oh, did you hear that this week? She has I got mean, a two-book deal, six figures, with Simon & Sushta globally, I think, which is yeah. so fantastic. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. So Hannah Richelle will be well known, I think, to some people because... She was a wonderful writer when she lived in Australia. She was married to Matt Richelle, who was the head of a publishing company. Mm-hmm. He went surfing one day and he was killed in a surfing accident. And, and they had two young children. Two very young children. Hannah mm-hmm. went back to the UK. I follow her on social media. Mm-hmm. And, Cheryl, I just want to say I was moved to tears earlier this year when I was looking at her Instagram page and there was a picture of her walking along holding a man's hand Mm. and I contacted her and I said, Hannah, and she said, yep, Mm. I'm getting married. And Mm. I thought, oh, my goodness, it's been many, it's been, well, it's been got to be six years since. Oh, yeah, it's been a long time, yeah. Yeah, and and she's, do you know the new husband's name is also Matt? I do. And she said she said to me, she she reckons they'd get on pretty well, she said to me. And the other thing that I was amazed her something blue on the wedding day was a pair of Matt's socks. Mm. And she said, you know, they they were a bit um, dodgy after eight years, but they held me in good stead. And I thought, I'm, I can't stand it. I'm going to burst into tears. Yeah. I was so amazingly, but it, not just that she's found her way back to love and she's found her way back to life and to, to forming a new family. Her new husband has children, so they're a bit of a Brady Bunch situation going on now. And but not just that, she's found her way back to writing. And when I saw that she had signed this deal just earlier this week, Simon mm. & Schuster, six-figure deal, they love her work, obviously. I thought, you know, it's a message for all of us. You can be in the deepest pit of despair. Everything can be going wrong. It cannot be your fault. A horrible mm. events visit us in life and we have to find a way through them. You know, when mm. you're going through hell, mm. Keep going, and you've well, got to come I, out the other side. I, I so agree with you, and I don't. I, I really feel that it's so well deserved. And she's a beautiful writer. I've always loved what she she's really written. Is. She really is. So, um, congratulations to Hannah if she's listening. Now, I do want to talk um, about spare, <laughs> and uh, I now this is just my view. But do you know when that book was announced? I thought I don't know one person who would buy that book or one person who would read it. That's what I thought. Yeah. How wrong was I? 
Did you? What did you think? Did you think we all loved I, Prince oh, Harry? What did you think? Like totally. I thought it's going to sell millions, absolutely millions. Oh yeah, my completely. God. Did you really? Totally. Yeah, that didn't surprise me at all. Do you know? I have heard people say it's been a bestseller in Australia. It was actually outsold in Australia by Scott Pape. Oh, so was it? It, I think it's I think it sold sixty four thousand copies in the first week, mm. and. Scott Pape's Barefoot Kids, which many, 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 many of your listeners will have bought for their children for Christmas, sold over 120,000 in the first week, broke right. every record Australia's ever yeah, had. Yeah, but because I, I think, yeah, I, I think, think in terms of very, memoir, it, it's, yeah, I yeah, think it's, it's been, bit, yeah. Uh, well, I, I've been so pleasantly surprised at, at the, the numbers. I mean, you know, I, I've got some numbers here that I've plucked out. So it's sold well over 200,000 copies in the Australian market since it came out three years ago. And the first week of sales m- did make it the best-selling memoir in Australia since records began. Now that Do you mean since it came out three years, three weeks ago, not three years ago? Three, oh, sorry, three, three <laughs> weeks ago. Did I say three years? Yeah, no, three weeks ago. <laughs> it feels like three years. <laughs> yeah, but it's selling, um, it's selling and it's still selling and it's wonderful. And and you know that what? A number, is... my, a number of my friends bought the audio book because apparently it's wonderful to listen to because he's got that gorgeous accent. Yeah. And he talks about he talks about his todger. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, tomorrow, I'm I'm so happy. I'm so happy that it's selling because I really didn't, I was unsure about it. Um, and there you go. And this is the conversation that we always have in book publishing, is you never know. You don't know what book's going to fly. Uh, no, that's right. And and there's a tendency like to rush where everybody else has already gone. So if a vampire yes. book sells and suddenly got 10,000 vampire books are out. Or you know remember when soft porn was around with 50 yes. shades of grey yes. and then suddenly everybody was writing these kind of what what do you even yeah, call them yeah, B yeah. and B and D books or whatever. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> and then they and then they all disappear because you all rush after the goblins or the werewolves or whatever it else is yeah. But it's hard to predict ahead of time. What's going to be a bestseller? Yeah. I mean, who would have who would have predicted Hilary Mantel, for example, oh, plucking absolutely. Quite, quite obscure characters out of British history mm. and bringing them to life? Mm. You know, and it worked and it worked so beautifully. I was I was devastated by the loss of Hilary Mantel. Mm. Just that was just last year, wasn't it? Yeah. Would now, you agree? Yeah, Recently, yeah. Spare, um, spare. I've got some more figures here. I like a bit of data. It sold um, 1.5 million in the UK, US, and Canada on day one, just in one day. Yeah. Just in yeah. just in day one, I knew it would be an absolute blockbuster. I'll be very interested. What will happen if Megan writes the book? Yeah, wow. I don't know. I don't know. Do you think people will? Do you think people will have had enough by then? Look, you know, I thought people had had enough, and I was wrong. <laughs> so I'm probably not the person to ask. <laughs> See, now if you were working in a publishing house, you could be Cheryl Arkell, the woman who passed on yeah. Harry's memoir. No, thanks, not for us. Yeah, not for us. <laughs> well, um, I have done that in my career, Carolyn. Um, at one point, many, many, many years ago, I was buying sports books for, for oh, yeah, a book yeah, retailer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was the buyer, and I was the sports buyer. So, can you imagine how many I missed there? <laughs> Every time they'd show me a book, I'd say, "Ah, oh, no one knows who he is." Well, 
It was just me yeah. that didn't know. Yeah, that's yeah, that sounds like me when I'm in the office and a very distinguished yeah. and erudite professorial yeah. type will call me and say, Well, we really need to do a review on this book, and I'm frantically Googling in the background <laughs> to find out what it is. That's right. I gave I, I relinquished my role as a sports buyer because I just I just didn't it really wasn't working out for me. However, I will say I was a very good cookbook um buyer. I bet you were. I mm-hmm. bet you were. I was why, why aren't you a cookbook? writer and also why aren't you on MasterChef? You oh, are gosh, the best no. oh. you are the best cook I know. <laughs> they're real they're real professionals. Hey listen let's sign off on this note. John Hughes and plagiarism. What do we think about that? I find the story very difficult to discuss because I think it's all coming from a place of pain. I think there's so much agony and so much pain in this story. I find it very difficult to discuss. He was a very much loved teacher at a local school here in Sydney. Yeah. Uh, I, know, I know a lot of people who he, his yeah. children he taught. I know a lot of children who thought he was the greatest English teacher they ever had, and it's devastating. Mm. I think the whole mm. thing is devastating. Do you know what? I was listening the other day um, to that, um, uh, is it a music producer called Rick Rubin? And yeah, yeah. I've got yeah. that book on my desk. It's amazing. Have you got that? Yeah. Yeah. Now, I haven't read it yet. I've just ordered it actually because I went up to the local bookstore and they didn't have it. But what I wanted, it did make me think of John Hughes because I he talks a lot about influence and influence in music and how sometimes a tune comes into your head and you think it's an original thought because you can't remember having heard that or known that three weeks ago or three months ago or three years ago. It does happen to me too occasionally. Oh, I'll cook lo- something I, in I the kitchen. Death, Cheryl, but this is word for word. Is it? Okay, yeah. all right. I don't know. That's what I'm asking you. Okay. I mean, it's not. We can disagree, not, but I'm not, just wondering yeah. whether it's I mean, you're such a good person. Yeah, you're <laughs> such a good person. You immediately <laughs> assume that it must be a mistake, but I, I think it's too close. Some of the passages are too close. Do you I mean, think? he says it's a mistake in that he he cut them out for research and right. they ended up in his yeah. manuscript. But you can't, you're not allowed to do you that. You know, I'd really like to talk to Rick Rubin about it. Get him on the phone. I might have to. I might have to give him a call. Might have to get him on the podcast. But anyway, all have right. You, have you Have you seen the book? No, the it book hasn't arrived. Is, yet. It's physically very beautiful. It's got one of those almost fabric covers mm-hmm. and a very simple a simple circle on the front. It's very very beautiful. Yeah, I, I'm looking forward to reading it. Actually, okay. What else is happening this week? Just just we're going to sign off. But tell me what, what what's coming in. The book launch that I went to last night was for Shannon Malloy's. You made me this way. It was I an amazing launch. He cried a little bit as he. Oh. Got- I spoke to him the other day. I I just couldn't believe it. It's a tough, tough, tough conversation to be having, isn't it? I was so proud of him last night. His mum was there. Mm. You know they adopted a baby, he and his husband? You have to go on their Instagram and follow them. It's fabulous. She sits in the chair. She's the boss baby, that baby. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Oh, good. She's the well, boss of that do you house. know? Um, I was really quite shocked by the whole story, but when I spoke to him, I was absolutely uh, taken by his, you know, that his approach to life, where he's, where he is now, how happy he is, and really, it's just, it's kind of a how-to, like you know, how to, what to do if this were to happen to you. I found it that very, yeah. very interesting, and and, and the, shocking in parts. And there were, there were but some uplifting. Survivors. Yeah. yeah, it's really totally uplifting. And there were some survivors last night at the um, the launch. The funny thing about book launches, though, Cheryl, I go and I'm now the oldest person there. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely mm-hmm. humiliating. That's because I wasn't there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I'll drag you along to the next one. <laughs> we can be the old ladies in the corner. Hey, there's, a, there's another book that I want to mention, and I know you talked about it the other day on your Instagram, and if you're not following Carolyn on Instagram, go follow her, Age of Vice. Oh, my God, yes. what a book. Yes. Look, I, only, I only picked it up, Cheryl, because it had this amazing gold cover, and as soon yeah. as I see a shiny gold cover, I know that the publisher thinks this is an incredible book. I could not put that down. It's yeah. Oh, my God, I'm only halfway through, so don't tell me what happened. No. But that li- little boy growing up in a village in India and then, you know, his family is smashed to pieces by a catastrophe and he's basically sent into slavery to work for a richer family and then the families keep getting richer. That's the idea, isn't it? And he keeps moving up in these worlds of vice and corruption and horror and terror and but he gets richer and the cars get better and the planes become private planes and oh my god what a story and the way mm. that it's told in the in that it's got that urgency about it oh what do you think and that beautiful shiny cover oh fantastic absolutely fantastic. did you love it that's why i wanted to mention it are you interviewing the author of that I'm not sure. I'm not sure if that's do on the cards it, yet, but I think it. we're going to try. Oh, yeah. yeah, 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 we'll yeah, try. Yeah. Now, Amazing. listen, we've got to go. I think we've gone over. I mean, that's not a surprise, right? <laughs> that's not a surprise. Gobble, 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 gobble. <laughs> All right. Well, that was Book Chat. Um, Caroline Overington, until next time. Take care. Love, love. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. 
No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. If you enjoyed this podcast, leave us a review and check out the other podcasts on the Better Reading Network.